0: ATV Talk, the podcast. Sit down with your host industry professional, Leonard Duncan, as the men and women from the ATV world bring their behind-the-scenes stories to life every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And remember, dream big. It could be your story one day. Hi, Brianna. How are you?
1: Good. How are you?
0: I'm doing great. Thank you for taking some time out with ATV Talk really appreciate it. I know that you're b- busy studying and, and getting your life in order. Uh, I know the COVID may be affecting you a little bit, um, but how are things going other than that?
1: It's yeah. good. Thank you for having me here today.
0: Oh, it's my pleasure. My pleasure. So uh, how is the coronavirus affecting you guys right now?
1: Um, It's not too bad. It's you know, hitting more of our community the hardest, you know, the Navajo Nation and stuff. But other than that, my family, we're, we're fine.
0: Everything's still functioning pretty good. Your dad's still working that in Phoenix?
1: Yeah, he is. He comes back when he's off. And <laughs> the numbers here on the Navajo Nation have dropped. And, you know, that's always a good thing.
0: That's a really good thing. Uh, has Have they opened up the uh, reservation at all? Um, I mean, so there's no hold on uh, movement or anything like that?
1: No, everything's pretty much still closed. Um, you know, the Navajo parks and a lot of other things around this area are closed still. But the surrounding areas in PAGE are open, so that's a plus. But um, you know they're just trying to keep the numbers down.
0: Are you doing most of your schooling uh, online?
1: Yeah, we've transferred everything to online computer and everything. Mostly Zoom meetings and <laughs> all of that.
0: So, so you're getting really good at these Zoom meetings.
1: I take it.
2: <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> so let's let's get into why I, we got together here i want to talk about how you got into atv racing or how you got into ATVs, and um why don't you start with that
1: well i actually started racing when i was well riding when i was about seven or so and then i believe i started racing probably about nine years old but i actually started off on a dirt bike um, my whole family we all ride dirt bikes and all of that uh originally i was a desert racer and i did a lot of the Azop series and the blast series um it wasn't until maybe i was 15 or 16 years old is when I started going to works. And um, I did a year there and then I moved into the women A class and yeah, rest is history. After that, we focused on my brother and you know, we're still doing it now.
0: <laughs> well, let's, let's slow the roll on here a little bit and go back to the- <laughs> As a youngster, um and you say it was in the desert. Were you? Did, did you have um what kind of bike did you ride, or did you get into ATVs at that point?
1: Um. So I started off, you know, when I was really small, probably on like a 50 or a dirt bike, and then I think when I was about. Eight years old or so I was on the TRX 90 the Honda and I raced that for about maybe a year or two and my dad built it up um, we did motor work we did suspension work so it was a pretty uh, <laughs> badass 90 and then uh, I grew a lot during that time and then I was on a Yamaha not even for a year um, was uh really fun i on my trx i mean not my trx my yamaha sorry uh, we did a couple of races and i had an injury to my back so i was doing a lot of physical therapy and i finally got enough strength to start riding again and that's when we bought the four fifty. And I was probably riding the four fifty for about a year. And then I went into the women's aid class. And then the women's aid class I did four years.
0: Yeah. And did did you win all four of those years or just just three?
2: Just the three. Um
1: my when I moved in I was trying to catch up to Donna Ellsworth and Lynn Prosser at that time, you know, I was really working hard for that. And You know, the next year I came out and I won the championship after that three years in a row.
0: And and did you have the same level of competition with Lynn and Donna at the same time as you were running through those championships?
1: Um, I feel like Donna really challenged me when I got into the women's class. And, you know, that really pushed me to train harder and um, really start gunning for it, I guess you could say. And, yeah, after the last few years, it was just really fun riding. And I don't think I really had, um... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I feel like the last two years it was really fun um you know that's when Tori started the women's A class, and at that time, I wasn't really training a lot, I was really focusing on school and um yeah, other than that, it was a blast
0: <laughs> how did you when you were training hard, how did you prepare yourself what uh what Types of training did you did you do? Did you do the gym, weights, running, riding bicycles?
2: So when I went into the
1: women's aid class, I was turning 15, so I was about 14 years old, and at that time I was like 90 pounds, <laughs> and so I did a lot of running. I did a lot of CrossFit, and my dad. Really got me out on my bike training every day after school. We probably rode for about four hours, even though our races are only an hour long.
0: Really? So what kind of? Yeah, ride-
1: and you know how the, the 50s are, you know how the fifties, the four fifties are uh, heavier. So I really had to get my strength up in order to ride faster.
0: What kind of terrain did you have on out
1: there? We we live out here in the desert and we have a lot of land around our house. So we, uh, roll rocks and whoops and we did some jumps and stuff like that because we do have a setup here at my house for, uh, jumps and logs and tires and all of that. So,
0: so dad was training you for the pro class at works. Not just not just the women's A, huh?
1: Yeah. <laughs> because um I think the first three years I was doing works, I was racing two classes and then a pro-am on Sunday. So I was doing the women A and then the I believe it was the production A and then Pro M.
0: Really? How did, how did they have the schedule race twice on Saturday and then once on Sunday?
2: Um, yeah,
1: if I can remember, right. I did the production class or the 15 to 29 in the morning. And then I did the women's class in the afternoon and then that qualified me for pro am on Sunday.
0: I remember there was three qualifying races for that pro-am in the beginning or, or back away. Yeah. Now and that- for
1: Lake Havasu, I remember every year I had to do a race in the morning and then women's class later in the day. And then it was like that also with the next day because you know how Lake Havasu is a, a double round. So, I did two races, two races, and I did pro later in that day. So, two, two, and three, two and three. <laughs>
0: and, and they were longer well, the, back then at that yeah, time. They were,
1: yeah, they were about 75 to maybe 90 minutes or so.
0: So, how did you fare in the pro am classes?
1: Um, I think at that time we had a lot of the pro guys racing pro am. You know, they haven't moved up yet. So when I was racing pro am, it was um people like Mike Sloan, David Flores, um you know, just a lot of fast guys in that area. But I was probably coming in ninth to seventh place.
0: That's still pretty respectable, especially the class was loaded for that time. Yeah it was what are some of your what are some of your most memorable things when you were growing up learning how to uh, navigate through the 90s the larger machines what are some of the most memorable things that you did I
1: think it was more of the desert races the beginning of my racing career Uh, we traveled a lot for those as well and You know, we trained harder for those races because those hours, but those races were about two hours long. And, you know, it was just so fun because I had a lot of my family members still racing at that time. My uncles, they all raced dirt bikes. And I have like seven uncles and they would all come with us. And, you know, those are all of my dad's brothers. So, it was so much fun going to races. It was just a whole family get together and um yeah, it was just so fun. You know, racing all the boys in the desert class and you know, me lining up to them and just kind of looking at me and saying, like, you know, this is a boys class or <laughs> or just like, you know, what's what's a girl doing lining up with us? But more than not, I would beat them. You know, I did the expert class growing up, and then I transferred into the pro class for Whiplash and Azop and stuff like that. So it was really fun kind of getting my name out there for desert racing and racing for so long. It was so, so nice. And then uh, I remember when um, my dad was like, hey, let's go try some. Uh, works races so I was like okay so we loaded up our bikes and we got there and he's like your race is only 50 minutes I was like really that's it I was like here everybody um you know they're the fastest riders in the world and they only go for 50 minutes (laughs) but for sure the tracks were harder and they were more technical jumps and things like that
0: <laughs> so you learned a lot that first time out.
2: Yeah. We
1: uh my dad really had to um switch it up on me, you know. We had basically a setup for desert and then we started getting into I guess a work setup.
0: <laughs> have have you went and raced a uh, best in the desert?
1: No, my brother actually does a lot of those races. So he's he's the best in the desert guy.
0: <laughs> but you have a desert background and uh I'm sure that you would be pretty fast.
1: Yeah, I've I wanted to do it especially when I was um still racing. I was wanting to stick it out and get into a best in the desert track. But um I don't know. We just got so busy, and we ended up not doing it. And it was kind of hard to get a team together. And yeah, we just kind of put it off on the back burner. And then Jarrett started doing it. Now we kind of know how best in the desert works.
0: I don't think that you've lost all your skills. Uh, you may be a little rusty because you haven't got on there in a little bit. But come on now, I'm sure that there is a. A group of young men would be honored to have someone with your skill set on their team.
1: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) a little rusty, that's for sure.
0: (laughs) Well, you know, you haven't been on a bike in how long?
1: About a year and a half to two years or so.
0: Okay, maybe a lot rusty.
1: But of course yeah (laughs) but of course you know we still go out and uh ride around here it's just i haven't raced in that long um in the off season me and my brother we go out and we ride our dirt bikes and stuff so
0: did you do any cross training when you were racing with the dirt bike versus the atv
2: um not so much
1: um mainly focused on ATVs because it was something that I really enjoyed and something that I felt like I knew a lot better than the dirt bike.
0: Yeah. You, your family seems pretty tight. I know when uh, you were racing, your brother was always there. Uh, and I know that you help with him now. Um how, how is that relationship still work? Being a three-time champion and, and he's still grasping for his glory days. You might say.
1: (laughs) I think our relationship is really strong. Um, You know, being a champion, I mostly encourage him to be like a team player to, to have a sportsmanship to, you know, really reach out and try and get an audience, I guess you could say. And, um, you know, the writing, he has it down by himself before when he was still, uh, when he first started racing quads, that's when I would give him pointers and stuff like that. And I think he's carried that on to now into his professional career.
0: Well, he's quite the young man, but we're not talking about him today. I'm sure he's going to get his <laughs> shot to sit down with me and, and, and talk. But I, I still want to hear more about about you and some of the things off the track that really intrigued me about sitting down and having a conversation with you. Is I remember one day at Prim, I was checking over your machine. Your dad asked me to do a couple things, and. uh, I see this young lady sitting there with uh, really thick books that have a lot more words in them than I can read. And we uh, were studying away and you had some dreams about going to some colleges and, and Stanford was one of those. I, I would really love if you could tell everyone um, how that dream is coming and how you're doing on it and uh, when are we going to be calling you doctor?
1: <laughs> well, my family we're all in the medical field. Um, my mom was in radiology for a while, and now she does medical records and stuff like that. And my grandma's a hematologist and my sister's a, a nurse and like a physical therapist, so you know there's also extended family members that are dentists, nurses, you know, all sorts of medical field practices. Um you know ever since I was little I always knew I wanted to go into the medical field and you know Stanford was like my dream school. <laughs> and you know right now I'm working on getting like a bachelor's degree and all of that. And, you know, I do really want to go into anesthesiology and, you know, I do plan on going to Stanford and doing my medical school there.
0: Well, elaborate a little more for us. (laughs) Well, because it's not just a quick um, story.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. Um, you know, ever since I was little, you know, thinking back on it now, I've always had my nose stuck in a book. I've always wanted to learn bigger things that were out in the world. And, you know, every year I always made the honor move. And, you know, that hasn't changed <laughs> now that I'm in school now. Um... Uh, You know, recently I've been inducted into an honor society here in the United States and only 10% of people get to be a part of that. So, you know, that's a really big academic achievement on my part. And I don't know, I was just really getting down and grinding with those books, like how I was so motivated to become a champion when I was younger. You know, both of those were dreams of mine. Being a works champion, and hopefully someday achieving that PhD for anesthesiology—it's just a big dream, yeah, for sure. I feel like you can be motivated enough to set your mind to it and get it done.
0: The way schooling is right at the moment has
2: hurt some of that and slowed it down.
1: Uh. I think academically, even though we're not sitting in a class, I still strive to be, you know, on the presidential award again and, you know, things like that. You know, since we're not sitting in a class and we're doing a lot of our work on the computer, I feel like it hasn't really slowed me down in uh, that aspect of my life.
0: That's really good to hear. I, I... I am going to want an update in this, so just be prepared to sit down and have another conversation and give me our give me the updates. And when you graduate, because um, the human interest portion of ATV racers and the people in the ATV industry is, is a big portion of why this all has come to be. And I think we're striving for something that not everyone is doing. Uh, but there's a lot of people in the ATV industry that do some amazing things off the track and outside of our industry. And I'm just really impressed that you're taking the initiative to better yourself and to create a pretty awesome for yourself.
1: Wow, uh, thank you. That means so much coming from you.
0: Well, I'm just some old guy that turns wrenches. You know, and, and talks on a computer. Yeah. <laughs> So let, let let's get back in
1: <laughs> when uh-huh. I was racing you were being a supporter um in my racing career so that was you know even you just saying you're proud it just makes me very thankful.
0: Well I appreciate that and I am very proud of you and and I was really impressed back then with all the books and and um kind of took a hard look at at, at the direction and some of the things that I had done. Uh, maybe I should have picked up a couple more books. Uh, I did a lot of physical hands on learning <laughs> and and spent a lot of time out in the, in the dirt to, to, to learn my trade. Um, but th- that's neither here nor there. We're not to talk about me. What I really Thank want you to know is I want you to go back in the, in the race memories. And, and give me some dirt, you know, give me some one, one of those races that just may not have went your way, but, uh, created a rivalry. Maybe there was a little bad bar hanging, uh, maybe some rubbing and, and uh, tell everybody how that was for you. You know, something uh, having to fight for it.
2: Well,
1: I'm going to go off on two stories here, but my most memorable race was probably when I was starting out on my 450. 50. Um, at that time, I was still racing desert, and one of my uh, brothers, I guess you could say, was still here, and unfortunately, he's not with us today, but, you know, I can remember... Racing my 450, and him just hauling by me, and he slows down, kind of up ahead. And he's like, "We're going through loops together," and he's like, "Come on, man, let's go, let's go. You can do this. They're they're coming up behind you." And so, like, I just put my head down and started charging. But you know, I think that's one of my most memorable races. But yeah, I could just hear Dondre, you know, motivating me to go faster in the back of my head every time. Yeah after that race. So that's probably the most memorable race I have. Um, mm-hmm. Rivalry. rivalry.
2: Life. I... Motivate you? Yeah. <laughs> He's a big part of all of our lives still.
0: That's awesome. Very inspirational.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> but rival, um, Rivalry. I have to say I don't really have a rivalry with any of the people that I race with. You know, I come from a very humble place when I do win and when I do lose. I think I'm very humble in a way about it. You know, I I take it with a grain of salt and I move forward. You know, there's always a next race coming up. So, you know, even when I did lose, if it was mechanical or you know just on my part you know i always never got mad at me or my bike or my family members you know i just knew it wasn't our day and that was just what i had to take it as um not so much rivalry but me and donna have a really good friendship now and even in the beginning when i started racing she was encouraging me also and you know I think that's what kind of got me to where I was in a way just because you know I was really gunning for her I guess you could say and she was really supportive of me when I won and when oh you know I was supportive of of her when she won so it was just like a really awesome relationship I had with her and I think, you know, her racing for so long and her being, you know, the champion for so long as well, it was just so um, humbling (laughs) to go into that class and start racing against her. You know, it's just a really good friendship that we do have. And, you know, I still do talk to Lynn. And, you know, those two (laughs) girls, they really helped me push through whatever I was going, even like when I did lose and when say my bike broke down or whatnot. But, you know, a lot of it has to do with my dad and my mom. They really talked to me when I didn't have a good race or when my bike would break down. I was just, you know, they were always there to encourage me and to get me to the next race.
0: Mm-hmm. I know your dad fairly well and and he puts in a lot of effort and uh he is i would have to say you and your number one fan next to your mom of course um, he, she's a big portion of your guys's core of your family and supporting everything uh, i really uh I really like yeah. your really spent i've spent some time with with your parents and uh, enjoy them greatly what uh what I want to know is. When you look at the industry now, because I know you still go to the races and I know you still support your brother, um, where do you see the industry going? And what is your take on uh, the the size of the classes and and the new ownership that works?
2: Um, I feel like
1: a lot of people are stepping up and moving into bigger
2: classes
1: and. I feel like, you know, looking at the women's class, it's very, there's very few girls that do race it. And, you know, that's amongst other classes as well, you know, it's getting kind of small. Um, you know, the new ownership, I think they do their best to, you know, get things going. And, you know, I, I still think they put on really good races every year. But, you know, same with my brother. Kid, the class that he used to race in before, it's getting smaller. And I think that's just because a lot of the other riders are also, you know, they've moved up into the pro class and that's really awesome to see.
0: What do you think would get the, 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 the rider to increase?
2: Um,
1: you know, maybe get into remote places or, you know, get some more rounds back. You know, there's a lot of places that we don't go to now just because, you know, it's more um, like tracks that we've been to before repeatedly. I feel like when we traveled a lot, say, like DeVore, you know, there's a lot of people in that racing environment just because, you know, it was a new track.
0: So you you think that if we went and got back into going to more places, Oregon, Washington, maybe into Idaho, our numbers would increase?
2: I think so. Just because, you know,
1: there's a demographic out there that hasn't been reached yet. and I think if we go to, say, their state, they're more likely to show up and, you know, check out a works race.
0: I know that some of the North guys uh, get a little upset that they had to have to travel to every race and we weren't going to Washington, we weren't going to Oregon. So they, uh, they almost didn't want to travel down because we were never getting a race in the area. Uh, I know what it's like to travel to almost every race there is. Living where we are, there's nothing. Well, so Glen Helen you know, is three hours away and it's as close as it gets.
1: Yeah, I really feel for people like that that travel so far, you know, like the tire blocks, they the Sanfords, they travel all the way in from way up there just to, you know, say to come to Arizona. That's that's a long trip. <laughs> and you know, for us too, we travel a lot or we have to drive a lot to get to a race. Like Glen Helen for us is maybe nine or ten hours away.
0: That's crazy. That's crazy. Well, when we
1: yeah,
0: it was eight dollars. You know, so you'll have a drive there. So if we race up at uh, Washington, uh, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm ten. If we go any farther than that, <laughs> it's it's it <gets> longer.
1: <laughs> yeah, although Washington or DeVore was my favorite race. I really wish we could have gone back there really like the trees.
0: (laughs) Yeah? Because it's pretty or because it was more technical and you were fast?
2: I think it was more technical.
1: I liked the tight turns going in between the trees and just, you know, getting out into a wide open track and then going back into the trees. I thought that was really fun.
0: It was. I I was fortunate enough to go to, we only went to race there one time, Ignacio, Colorado. And it wasn't a traditional works race, the woods race. Yeah. It was all trees, you know, I guess that, that was a way back <laughs> be so it was before your time. But it, it was still a super, it, it was one of my favorites, the race.
2: <laughs> hey, you're speaking your age. <laughs>
0: oh, wow. I didn't get all this white hair sitting on the sideline. <laughs> So, <laughs> so, you, you see a, a, a positive future for the ATV industry. I do. You think it's going to come roaring back after the COVID thing goes away?
1: I really hope so. You know, just because not only racing is just such an environment to be in, but you know, my brother just started racing his pro career, so I really do hope that it starts to flourish, and you know, a lot of people start to get back into it.
0: Yeah, I do too. I've missed it this year. I haven't. I haven't got to go to a race all year, and uh, I'm hoping that that changes before the end of the year. But you know, I need to be home for family and taking care of things here. Um, but I wanted to ask you if you could talk to the young ladies out there in the, in, in the world and talk to them about racing and talk to them about what y- you would tell them to reach for so that they will continue their career or reaching for
2: their goals. I
1: think for the young ladies out there is to not give up. Keep pushing for it. You know, what I strived for when I was racing was I really wanted to beat the boys. So I think young ladies out there starting in your racing career, you know, get your head down and just keep chugging along. You know, you'll get there one day. You know, I was once that little girl thinking about racing professionally racing in the fastest women's class here on the west coast and you know find a support group that will motivate you to get there to that point um you know for me it was my family it was my dad um you know just get out there ride have fun ride your race and you know there's always going to be another race
0: That's awesome. It's a, it's a huge thing you have to look for in a, in a a career is just, even when all the chips are against you and and you got that tire or the chain broke, you know, you, you do your best to get it back on and get to the finish line.
2: Yep. And just try your
1: hardest. That's all, you know, for me, that's how I was, you know, I rode. Growing up, I all I wrote was against was boys, and
0: you know, there's always
1: another race. There's always another time to compete those boys.
0: <laughs> you had some quite experience with some of the young men in the, in the uh, A class and in works now. Uh, even in the pro class, uh, you had some times mm-hmm. against those boys.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Even when they were really fast, like how Mike's really fast now.
0: (laughs) Did you race against Mike when he was younger?
1: Yes. (laughs) Well, not too much younger. He always raced works raced works before we did, and you know I did the pro am class with him, and he was really fast.
0: Yeah, he's got a lot of heart. (laughs) Fast dude. I really enjoy the time I spent with him. Yeah. So what's the future hold other than becoming an anesthesiologist? What does the future hold?
2: Uh,
1: I hope to get um, back into some races. Um, You know, writing is a big passion of mine and, you know, it's kind of hard to, move forward and not be able to race or you know ride as much as i did when i was growing up and you know i just really want to get back on the bike and maybe start racing again but more than likely i'll be studying every day
0: (laughs) so do you do you think after you become an anesthesiologist you might uh, bring yourself back to the track. Would you come back to ATV, or would you put a cage in a cage?
1: <laughs> For sure. I would come back to racing even after I'm an anesthesiologist. You know, I do have, um you know, I have thought about getting back on the ATV, especially once I reach that goal of mine. But, you know, Side-by-sides would be pretty fun. And I've said that too, when I was racing the women's A-class, you know, I always wanted to, to jump in the cage and take off, <laughs> start racing that.
0: Have you got to
2: spend any time on TV?
1: Um My grandparents have one and, you know, I take it out when we're here in my hometown. But other than that, I haven't raced any.
0: Well, you've gotten to drive it a little. So, what's your what's your first evaluation of of that kind of machine?
1: It's way fun. Seems <laughs> very expensive, even if you flip it.
0: <laughs> well, ATV racing's not cheap. So, A T V it can't be that much. Fun if,
1: <laughs> it's like racing a car or something
0: <laughs> well you could always you could always do trucks and and you know drive a trophy truck
2: yeah that'd be fun so
0: what's the what's the like whole as a... mm-hmm. say that again
2: Oh, just
1: as of now, i um just kind of focusing on school. In the far future, I do want to get back into racing, though.
0: Well, I think that you need to twist your little brother's ear and have him get you on quad with him in the Best in the Desert series. Because I think it adds
1: Oh, that would be
2: fun.
0: <laughs> You're still faster than most of the boys. <laughs>
2: Yep,
0: <laughs> I'm not just telling you that just to tell you that. I, I, I watched you ride. I've watched you race. I've seen you race against most of the boys, and and I think that it, you know if you put the right package, you out there and you do a little thing. I think that you could run on a on a on a competitive best in the desert team. I don't
2: see any reason why not. Yeah, that'd be so much fun. I got to do it, and I'm a turtle, so.
1: <laughs> that would be really fun start I, racing with Jarrett maybe some of our other friends too that we know from works
0: I think that you guys should pull a team together uh, I think you have the resources and there's enough of the guys there and enough of the families that could put a good team together I think you guys would do well wow, I really do uh, you know the fastest guys yeah. in the best in the desert right now, right now live in Paige so Yeah. So we've talked a little bit about your future. We've talked a little bit about your past. We know what you're doing right now in the present. Um, I want to go back and I want you to elaborate a little bit on how you were feeling while you were winning championships. And uh, so you could express some of those feelings to those young ladies that are coming, coming your way, you know, they They gotta know what it really does to stand center on the box number one
1: yeah, I mean, for sure, winning was so exhilarating, and you're so happy, but I think you really start to grow as a person,
2: and if you're winning the
1: championship, you progress as a champion when you start losing um in my 3 years of being a champion i believe i only lost 6 races but you know those 6 losses you know it starts to you really start to think about yourself your training program your machine, you know, you, you want to have the most reliable machine while you're racing, mostly because a lot of those losses were mechanical, but, you know, as upset as you may be, you really need to step back and take a look at, your situation. And, you know, like I keep saying, you know, there's always another race. There's always another chance to win. And if you're looking at your situation and you're asking yourself why you didn't win, I think then you need to start working on yourself. If, If it was you, whether you got tired or, you know, you didn't feel like going anymore. I think then you really need to start training more, riding more. And if it's your machine, I'd say start working on it because bike prep is a huge thing before you go out and race, especially a week before you even start thinking about traveling to a race. Um but you know, just keep your head down and keep moving forward, you know, be as humble as you can when you take wins, you know, always think about your competitors, always think about the hard work that they put in, and you know just try and be your best self when you're winning um maybe the girls you're racing against, or maybe the guys you're racing against really need advice from you or you know you can take advice from people that you're losing against i think that's the best thing for maybe mental and physical needs in a way is to really reach out to your peers that you're racing against and you know start working on yourself and just try and keep your head straight, keep focused on what you really want at the end of the year.
0: How much of a life lesson do you think the racing is for you um, to help you with your future goals?
1: I think racing helped
2: me a lot.
1: Mainly because when I was in college and when I was in high school, you really have to pick up that extra slack on schoolwork. And even when you are racing, you know, you really have to keep reaching for your goals. You know, find encouragement and motivation as you're getting to that top. You know, try and. You know, for me, looking back on it, it has really helped my current situation just because you just got to think when I'm on top, this will all be worth it. You know, all the struggles that I'm going through now, it'll all be worth it in the end.
0: How hard is it to stay on the top?
1: I think a lot of people start to look at you and wonder when you're going to fall. And I think that's a big mental game. You have to compose yourself and, you know, just always try your hardest and always try to keep going forward, to keep winning, to keep yourself
2: at your standard your standard I always strive for perfection
1: and it's just you know a mental game you got to play with yourself every time you go to a race Um, I think ever since I started racing I had a lot of Anxiety building up towards it just because I just wanted to get out there and go already. And, you know, a lot of people that I hung out with, you know, my family and my mom and my dad, you know, they can attest to that. I was very anxious to the start of a race, even way before I was a champion. It's just really something that, you know, I just want to get out there and race. I just want to get out there and start, I guess, climbing the ladder to the end of the race. I mean, that's the best way I can put it.
0: You need the green flag to drop so the butterflies will go away.
1: Yeah, for sure. That's exactly the emotions I went through as soon as that, Green flag drop. I felt like I just got so focused and dialed in that I wanted to, you know, just catch people in front of me and keep catching people and keep catching people, even if they weren't in my class. You know, it was something that I really liked was just picking off the next person and trying to go faster and faster until you know you give it your all that 50 minutes.
0: I like that. I like that. Um, So you're telling everyone, without saying, the mental game racing is as important, if not more important, than the physical training aspect. Exactly. And I think
1: that's something that I finally realized my last two years of racing was it's all mental game even if it's your opponent maybe trying to get in your head or you know, you're in your own head, you know, you just got to try and stay on that focus and just, you know, give it hell when you start racing.
0: <laughs> well, stay in focus is, is a huge portion of it. You think of some of the greatest athletes of our time, you know, Michael Jordan, Tiger Wood, you know, choke to say this, but you know, they put Tom Brady in the category because th- th- these guys, th- these guys just don't crack under pressure. You know, Carmichael. If, if we get to racing and Jimmy yeah. and NASCAR, uh, you know, the, the, mm-hmm. the mental focus and the mental edge these people carry into it is unbelievable. And if you're a single time champion. Mm-hmm. Can't take anything away from that. But if you're a multi-time champion, you understand the, the mental game because that's what carries you across the finish line.
2: Yep, exactly.
0: So, was there any special games? I mean, because everybody's got a, a psychological thing. You know, they have to tell, tell themselves one thing to do, something else to get themselves in the right state of mind to the line. What were some of the things that you had to tell yourself
2: by the end of it you had nothing to worry about
0: i don't understand elaborate on that.
1: you know by the end of the race by the end of anything that's going to give you struggles you know you're going to look back on it and say oh i didn't have anything to worry about i was just freaking myself out or making myself too anxious from the start of it and you know it's Something you didn't even need to worry about.
0: You know, I was, I was in Argentina in 2009. Yes, I'm old. Mm-hmm. And we <laughs> were standing in the field in a mining field. And um, actually, I believe we were in Chile at the time. And we stood in this field for 12 hours waiting for my rider. I didn't go take, hour break, mm-hmm. take the lunch break or the dinner break. I just waited. And uh, one of the professional motorcycle guys had been injured and he was asking questions. And he came over and he asked me, why are you here? And I go, my job is to make sure that that man out there is okay. And right now, mm-hmm. nobody can tell me where he is. Nobody can tell me anything mm-hmm. about him. So until I see him crest that hill... It was about a mile and a half away. I am not losing because mm-hmm. my job is here. Mm-hmm. Be here, focused. Mm-hmm. When he needs me, and I didn't know this at the time, but the writer had then told the, the, the person that I was working for Rappel Sonic uh, about you, know, you can't buy a mechanic or a, another individual to care enough and there for you. You can't pay people to do that. Exactly. I thought that was really cool. Um, but mm-hmm. when I got to talk to him, um, I asked him, he says, you've been out there for 12 hours. I said, how did you, how could you stay on the box that long? I mean, how did you, do? and he goes, you know, really, it, it's just a brief moment in, time in our lives. That 12 hours is, a, it, it's not even, it doesn't even register on the scale of your life. I mean, when you break down all of the hours, mm-hmm. so if you get a blister forty yeah. minutes to your race and it's fifty minutes long, you only have to deal with that pain for ten minutes. It's not mm-hmm. bad. Granted, some people exactly. think that it is, but ever since I told me that, and since Raphael told me that. I changed my outlook on everything that I did, from prepping machines to giving advice to writers such as yourself. Um, it's look moment in time. Don't make it bigger than it is. Exactly. And, and always have. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, for sure. You know, you always hear the quote like "live in the moment" or you know, things of that nature. And you just kind of, well, that's kind of cheesy. But it really does play a big life lesson.
0: You know, I'll tell you, more so than you, because I've been doing this a long time. And I think the only thing that I could ever see that <laughs> I regret is not enjoying the series more that day than I did not enjoying the championship. You know, maybe not even when we race down in Mexico. Not staying the extra night and celebrating with the team instead of going home, um, because yeah, you, you're so focused and prepping for the next, prepping for the next race. Um, that's the only thing. I really
1: yeah, do. celebrate your little accomplishments or your little wins.
0: Yes. You need that so that you can be focused and you don't lose focus. Mm-hmm. I'm a glutton for punishment. I love it over and over and over again. So <laughs> I've I have really, really appreciated you taking the time with me. And I want you to promise me that you're going to save some time for us in the future. Because you need to come back. I know that there's more stories that you didn't tell us. Um, especially about riding after with your with your cousin and your family and and you know, picking on your brother. And I want yeah. <laughs> to hear about your graduation, you become an anesthesiologist.
2: Yeah, for sure.
1: And thank you for having me on here. I know it was kind of a little uh, schedule conflict in the beginning, but you know, I'm so glad to sit here and help you out and you uh, know, try and get to the younger generation or even girls that are my age or younger than you know get to them and get a message to them i think that's priceless at the end of the the day
0: well that's also the big reason why i wanted to reach out and have you on the show because you're a three-time champion you are very motivated super intelligent and i think that you have a lot to offer the all women in any walk of life to prove that you can do it because you've done it.
2: Yeah, that's,
1: that's so humbling. Thank you.
0: I would like you for you to maybe get up and pound your chest at some point because you've earned the right and it doesn't mean you're married and it doesn't mean you're not humble. It means that the other women that are in your life should follow your lead and work as hard as you do, and fight as hard as you do for the things that they need to do. And uh, I know that uh, I have three daughters, and uh, all of three of them work very hard, and my wife works very hard. And I had a very, very dominant mother in my life who instilled the fight that my brother and I have, and I don't ever wanted to do that in any way, shape, or form. So, young lady you need to keep fighting and you need to keep standing up because I am very proud of you. I was very proud to work with you.
2: Yeah.
1: Thank you. I loved being on your team
0: and I loved being,
1: you know, someone that was always in your main interest.
0: You know, it was kind of hard not to, for you to be, you just, you just made that made it happen. You always put yourself in the position to uh, make sure that you got the attention that you deserved, and uh, you know your your dad also had a hand in that. He hunted me a couple times you know, when I didn't get you in time or didn't get over there, uh, and he made sure that I made and he made sure that I I got my job done. And I appreciate that too because I, I get busy at the races and and get distracted and uh, didn't always get everything covered that I was supposed to. Uh, having a dad like, yeah. made sure that I made sure I got where I was supposed to be
2: mm-hmm. awesome. yeah <laughs> you know, and we knew you were really busy we knew you were really busy and
1: you know we always had to maybe go and remind you to come over or something and you know it paid off
0: <laughs> Well yes it did I wish I could get to work with your brother a little more, and I, and maybe that'll happen in the future. Please, yeah,
2: I hope it does.
0: <laughs> please give your uh, your mom and dad for me. Give them a big old hug and a kiss when you see them, and uh, you can just punch your brother for him. It's okay.
1: <laughs> All right. they're actually on their way from Best in the Desert. I'm Glenn Helen. So, you know, for sure, I'll do that for you. I Thank you for having me today.
0: Well, you're welcome on ATV Talk anytime. There is something that uh, you, I'll send you a message on about that we we'll need to get uh, so that we can promote your episode. Okay. okay. You
1: know, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to come mm-hmm. visit my story. <laughs> Have a nice day, guys. <laughs>
0: You have a great night. We'll talk to you later. You too. Bye. The team here at ATV Talk would love your feedback. Please email us at hello at ATVTalkPodcast.com.
2: Brought to you by Take-Two Custom Tees.
1: Screen printing experience that is dedicated to quality and customer service every time.
0: San Diego's Body Evolution Wellness Center. With over 17 years experience, Dr. Heidi looking after all your chiropractic needs and Coach PJ looking after your fitness needs. Visit our website, www.bodyevolutions.org or call for an appointment, 858-571-0160. Duncan Technologies International.